Hello, everyone, and welcome back to True Crime with Kendall Ray. I am so happy to have you here with me to discuss yet another case. And if you're new, then welcome. So today we're going to be talking about a case that I am shocked hasn't gotten nearly enough coverage over the years. This one comes out of Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to be talking about a five-day-old baby who was abducted from his home just a few days after being home from the hospital. We're going to be talking about Raymond Green. Now, I first heard of Raymond's story just recently in September when I was in Washington, D.C. for the NECMEC Hope Gala. And Donna Green, Raymond's mother, was honored at the gala. And when I heard this story, I knew I wanted to report on it. And my friends over at NECMEC were nice enough to connect me with Donna so that we could work on telling this story to all of you together. Donna is an incredible person. She is so, so resilient. After everything that she's been through, she's on a mission to help other people. And I just think that's so admirable. And I've really enjoyed the time that I've got to spend talking to her on the phone. And I asked her if she wanted to collaborate on this. And she said yes. But this story is so important to share because the reality is Raymond might still be out there. I mean, there's a good chance that he is and that he doesn't know who he is. All it would take is the right person seeing this episode and possibly recognizing Raymond, realizing that they know someone who fits his description or the description of his abductor. It's crazy to think that Raymond could be out there, could be living under a different name, have no idea that he was abducted and could somehow come across this episode and maybe be reunited with his mother. One DNA test could solve this 45-year-old case. And that's why I wanted to bring it to my audience because I know so many of you are proactive. You are active true crime consumers, as I like to say. And I think this is a great opportunity for all of you to take an action to possibly help this family. I normally have a call to action towards the end, and I will share some details about that later on. But before we even get started, I just wanted to emphasize that what we are really looking for here is for people to share Raymond's story, whether that's from sharing this episode or just spreading the word and his age progression with as many people as you can. And you can definitely help us boost the reach of this episode by commenting, sharing, liking, all of that. It truly helps. And this is one of those cases where the family really needs you to do that. So we're going to start here by going back to November 1st, 1978. It was a very warm day in Atlanta, Georgia, reaching a high of 78 degrees. And so while most people were out enjoying this warm weather as winter was coming, Donna Green was at Grady Memorial Hospital giving birth to her second child, Raymond Lamar. Hello, my name is Donna Green. I am the mother of Raymond Lamar Green. What I remember about November 1st, 1978 was I was very, very excited about having a son. At the same time, I was scared because I already had one child. I was only 16 years old and I was looking forward to having this baby. And in my mind, I was gonna do all I could for both of my children. At the same time, I was wondering what that looked like. How was I gonna take care of them? Nowadays, the practice of putting babies in nurseries after they're born is less common. That was not my experience. When I had my daughter, she actually never left our room. And I think that's pretty standard now, although there are still nurseries. But it was very standard back in 1978. And even if you haven't seen one in person, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
A few hours after a baby is born, they are put in some type of nursery room with other babies, each in their own bed, so that mothers can get some rest. And I feel like this is shown a lot in movies where a mother or father is standing there between the glass, pointing at which baby is their own. And that's exactly what happened in Donna's experience. Shortly after Raymond was born, he was placed in a nursery unit so that Donna could get some rest. When she was ready, she got up to go see her newborn baby who was sleeping next to the other babies in the nursery and nothing at all seemed out of the ordinary. Even when another woman came up and stood at the glass looking at the newborns as well, nothing seemed strange. This woman who Donna said identified herself as Lisa said that her sister had just given birth and she even pointed out one of the babies and said that that was her niece. And the baby that she pointed to had the last name Morris, which is what Donna would eventually believe to be Lisa's last name as well. Keywords believe to be. Because if it isn't already clear, everything this woman said was just a sick, sick lie. So Lisa tells Donna that her sister is resting and recovering, and that's why she's not in her room. She's giving her some space, and that's why she had stepped out to see the baby in the nursery. And within just a matter of minutes, Donna and this woman, Lisa, start having a full-on conversation that seemed very normal at the time. And as they're standing there chatting, this woman, Lisa, asks Donna, you know, which baby is yours? And Donna doesn't think anything of it at the time. It seemed like a perfectly normal question. They're just making small talk outside of this glass window with a room full of babies. She's just given birth. So she doesn't think there's anything wrong in telling her that's my son Raymond and points right at him. And she has no indication, no way to know that a few days later, this woman would abduct her son from her home. After I had Raymond, I went up to the window to the nursery where the babies are all laid out. And I was just standing there looking at Raymond, looking at how beautiful he was. When a young lady came up on the side of me, we acknowledged each other. And um, she asked which one was my baby. I pointed to Raymond. She pointed to a little girl and said that that was her niece, that her sister was in the room sleep. And when I got ready to go back to my room, she asked, could she come back to the room because she didn't want to disturb her sister. And their conversation doesn't end there because then Lisa asks her if they can continue their conversation in her hospital room because her sister is resting in her room. So they do. They go to Donna's hospital room and they keep talking. When she came back to my room, we was watching Lucy. I love Lucy and conversated. The conversation was just natural. I felt nothing like anything was wrong or that she was she was very friendly, very nice, had a beautiful smile. She was around my age, maybe a couple of years older. Uh, maybe she was like 19 or 20. So I didn't think anything of it. Our conversation was just laughing about Lucy and uh, just talking about me being a mom. And the only thing she asked was, you know, how many children did I have? And was I excited about being a mom? And what was I gonna do when I got home with the baby? And, after that, we just kind of answered those questions, small talk, really didn't know each other. And then we watched Lucy, and then a few minutes later, she said that she was going to go, and um, she left. 
Came back later on that evening. We talked a little more while. The, talk, the conversation was still, I don't know. I can't remember what we was looking at, or what I was looking at on TV, but that was the conversation. So that was all the conversation we had with I'm here. And Donna didn't think anything was wrong with this. I mean, she was happy to have made a new friend. Giving birth is such a traumatic experience and kindness from anyone is definitely appreciated. She said that she had, you know, warm eyes, a kind smile. She felt safe with this woman. So the two of them continue this conversation back in Donna's hospital room, and she shares some other information as well, including where she was living. So at this point, this woman knows her baby's name and some information about where they lived. And again, Donna had no reason to believe that this woman was anything more than someone's sister who was just being kind and making conversation with her. And that's why she felt comfortable sharing some of these personal details. And this Lisa person continued to visit her while in the hospital over the next two to three days. She would stop in, say hi to Donna, instill this idea that she was this kind, caring person, a friend even. She told Donna that her sister was still in the hospital as well, recovering, and that's why she was still there hanging around. And we know now that this sister of hers did not exist, was not in the hospital. She had no reason to be there other than to prey on Donna and Raymond. And really, every interaction they had while in the hospital seemed completely normal, except for one night when Donna woke up and she thinks she saw Lisa either walking into the closet in her hospital room or walking out of it. But she really you know, didn't make much of it, brushed it off because she had no reason to believe that this person had any bad intentions. And when it came time for Donna to be discharged from the hospital, she figured she'd probably never see this new friend of hers again. But strangely enough, Lisa was there when she was being discharged and asked her if she could have a ride home because her ride had already left. And Donna agreed at no fault of her own, just trying to be a kind person. But the thing is, the person who drove them home actually dropped Donna off first, which allowed Lisa to see exactly where Donna lived. The day I got ready to leave the hospital, as I was packing the bags and getting the baby ready, Lisa came to my room and asked, could she um, get a ride home? She said she had missed her ride and asked the person who was taking me, which was a friend of my husband's, um, at that time, my boyfriend, uh, could she get a ride and they agreed. So when we got ready to go, they dropped me off first, which is how Lisa found out where I stayed at. And then they dropped her off. They said that they dropped her off over on Stanton and DeLoe over in Atlanta. They also uh, said that she did not, they did not take her to a home. They dropped her off on a corner she told them to drop her off on the corner. They dropped her off and um, she left. She started walking and they pulled Donna off. They thought nothing of it. So they really couldn't give us, they could only tell us the street name of where they dropped her off at. That was it. That was on November 3rd. And sadly, just three days later, their lives would change forever. On November 6th, 1978, just three days after Donna had been discharged from the hospital and brought baby Raymond home, there was a knock at the door. And to Donna's surprise, it was Lisa. And they had never planned to meet up again. They had never agreed to keep in contact. But there was this nice woman from the hospital here to check in on her and see how she and baby Raymond were doing. And speaking for myself, and I know so many others will agree with me, those first few days when you're home from the hospital with a newborn and you're postpartum and 
The emotions are high. It is a roller coaster. You're coming down from the adrenaline of giving birth, meeting this child. It's it's so overwhelming. You're seriously on a roller coaster of emotions in every way. And you're so exhausted. You can be kind of delirious. And so many people are stopping by. So many people want to help you in those early days that I can absolutely see why she you know, was happy to see Lisa and invited her into her home. That time is just such a blur. You're so sleep deprived. Your brain is juggling so much that someone coming and offering to help you or to check in on you is welcomed, of course. But that is far from what this woman was trying to do. Now, in addition to Lisa being at the apartment, Donna's brother, Tony, was also there on the couch watching over baby Mike, which is their other sister's son. And with two adults there, Donna saw a great opportunity to take a shower. And in those early days, an opportunity to take a shower is one you're going to take. And she didn't fully understand why this woman wanted to stay there and wait around for her. But, you know, what reason did she have to tell her to leave? She figured her brother Tony's there. She tells him to watch Raymond and she goes and takes a shower. But by the time she finished her shower and got dressed and came back downstairs, her baby was gone. Unfortunately, Tony had fallen asleep with baby Mike in his arms. And when Donna woke him and asked where Raymond was, he said that all he remembered was Lisa picking him up and taking him outside to keep him from crying. And in that time that it took Tony to fall asleep and Donna to come back downstairs, Lisa and Raymond were gone. I cannot imagine the fear that must have been going through her in those moments, the panic that would be the scariest, worst feeling in the world. Donna ran outside. She's screaming for her baby. And the only information she got was from this woman outside who told her that she saw a woman get into a brown car holding a baby wrapped in a blue blanket, the same blanket that Raymond was wrapped in. And sadly, this is the last known sighting of Raymond Lamar Green. And I know there will be comments, so I just want to make it extremely clear that Donna does not blame her brother Tony for what happened at all. I mean, it's not his fault that this woman came into their home, someone that they thought was kind and friendly and took advantage of them in the worst way possible, did something so horrible to them that was just unimaginable. And keep in mind, this is 1978. Things are drastically different today. The only, and I mean the only person who is at fault for Raymond's abduction is the woman who abducted him. So after she filed a police report, it became obvious that the woman that she thought was Lisa Morris was a fraud. Not only was there not a woman in the hospital with a sister under that name, but there was not a woman in the greater Atlanta area matching her description with that name. And based on Donna's recollection of this woman, she was 5'5 to 5'6. She had a medium build and was between 23 and 24 years old. She also remembered that she had dark brown eyes and a mole on her face. She had smooth, light brown skin, a small nose, and full lips. Donna also recalls that she was wearing a red headscarf. And these details were used to create the first image of Raymond's abductor. The image on the left is what's believed she looked like back in 1978. And the one on the right is an updated version to reflect what she may look like now. So we ask that you study these images and think hard about if anyone you know 
fits this description. Like I said, it just takes one person to recognize her and completely solve this case. Now, when it came to the police effort, Donna felt and still feels that because she was poor and black, that the police just completely dismissed her. And there was only one mention of her son's abduction in the local newspapers on November 10th. And even still, it was placed on page 62. Young black children were going missing and turning up murdered a lot during this time, yet so little was being done to get justice. And Raymond was one of them. It's a horrible phenomenon that we still see today. And knowing that the police weren't going to do anything to help her had to just be such a slap in the face. Now, there was one moment of hope back in 1981, two years after Raymond's disappearance, where it seemed like they were taking his disappearance more seriously. Around this time, there was a woman named Louise Lett who was arrested and charged with kidnapping. And guess where she had stolen a child from? Grady Memorial Hospital, the same hospital where Raymond was born. And when Louise was arrested, she had another child in her custody, a little boy who she claimed to be her own. Given that she had kidnapped one child from Grady Memorial, the thought was maybe this other little boy was actually Raymond, given that he was the same age and the same description as him. But sadly, a footprint analysis proved that this was not Donna's missing son, Raymond. And after this, police interest in the case dropped off and Donna was on her own again. And she has put in so much work over the years. She's taken everything into her own hands. And I truly commend her for all the hard work that she's done and continues to do. For years, she and her family have held out hope that one day, maybe Raymond will come home. And with the help of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they've created some incredible campaigns to raise awareness. Raymunda Alexander was just a year old in 1978 when her brother, Raymond Lamar Green, was abducted from their home in southwest Atlanta. He was just five days old. We looked for him on the bus and at the gas station and on social media, you know, it's just, we see someone, he's like, oh my God, I found someone that, you know, may look like him or I wonder if that's him, so. You know, we all believe that we will find him again. His family has been trying to find him for 40 long years. Their faith never wavers. Their search never stops. So to catch you guys up to speed on the years that followed Raymond's abduction, Donna and her boyfriend ended their relationship, but then they got back together 12 years later and went on to have five children. And so it was actually her kids, Raymond's brothers and sisters, that have helped organizations like NCMEC to create images of what they believe he would look like. Because he was so young when he was abducted, there actually aren't any photos of him that exist. So Donna has had to describe her son through memory to get these images made. And using the facial features of his brothers and sisters have helped tremendously. Like I said before, I ask you to really look at these photos and think about if you know anyone who looks like this. Raymond, who probably goes by a different name now, probably doesn't even know he was taken from his family. And we're hoping that these photos can help bring him home. 
And I want to spend some time today talking about the work that Donna has done with NECMEC and their efforts, because it's what they've done together that really inspired me to create this episode today. Because not only have they created and distributed images of Raymond and his abductor, but they've come up with an incredible new strategy to help share his story with more people than ever before. On February 22nd, 2023, Angeline Hartman with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who is amazing, I love her, announced in a press conference that their organization was partnering with GSTV, a national digital video network, to showcase Raymond's story at more than 28,000 fuel retailers across the country. Thanks for being here, everybody. I'm Angeline Hartman. I am the Director of Communications at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Today, we are excited to announce a new strategy. This is a new strategy that we hope will help solve a decades-old infant abduction mystery that happened right here in this neighborhood. Raymond Green was just five days old when he was abducted in November 1978 from Carver Homes on Maury Avenue. And so now to generate fresh leads in this case, the National Center is partnering with GSTV. That's a national digital video network and for the first time ever, all GSTV screens at gas pumps across the nation will spotlight just one case. We're gonna ask viewers to help bring home Raymond Green. So just to let you know how big a deal this is, GSTV has more than 28,000 gas stations across the country. So that's not fuel pumps, that's fuel retailers nationwide. So that's a lot of new eyes on this case. Um, this is an unprecedented effort to reach people who may not know about Raymond Green and may not know what happened, but they might be key to bringing him home. Now, with a brand new age progression image of what Raymond might look like today, um, we're going to feature that uh, and we're calling attention to Raymond at what he might look like now at age 44. And we will feature an image of his abductor. And so we want to make sure that people look at both images very closely. We strongly believe that Raymond could be out there and not know his real identity. This is something that I learned about while I was at the Hope Gala, and I had never heard of it before. It is incredibly smart, such a great way to get faces out there. Their effort was originally scheduled to last two weeks, but GSTV graciously added a third week, allowing Raymond's story to run for an additional week, starting on February 20th, 2023. And I got permission to play this video for you guys today so that you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Do you recognize this face? Raymond Green was abducted by an unknown woman in 1978. He was just five days old, stolen from his Atlanta home. This is what Raymond might look like now. Please help find Raymond Green. This new strategy to find Raymond by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is possible thanks to its partnership with GSTV. The National Digital Video Network has been showcasing missing cases since 2019, but this is the first time ever that GSTV will highlight just one missing case across the country. 
For the next two weeks, Raymond's story will be featured at 28,000 gas stations. And it's efforts like this on cases like this that make me so proud to partner with NECMEC and to raise awareness, raise funds for them because they are doing some of the most amazing work out there in the true crime world. And so I want to quickly take the opportunity to remind you all that if you would like to support NECMEC, I have a campaign running right now. We have raised over $230,000. We are headed towards 250,000. That's our next goal. And I have a collection of merchandise that's available on my website, which is kendallray.shop. We just changed the website. So that might be confusing for you guys. But yes, it's at a new location, kendallray.shop. And any of the NECMEC items that you see on there, 100% of the proceeds from that collection goes directly to NECMEC. And thank you to everyone who has already participated in our campaign. It's been amazing to see all the support. I'm so thankful that NECMEC exists for people like Donna, who aren't getting the attention, who aren't getting the resources that they should have gotten from day one. Raymond and Donna are so deserving of this national attention. It's so needed in this case. Thinking that Raymond could be out there and have no idea who he is just blows my mind. And in addition to working with NECMEC, Donna has actually created her own nonprofit. It's called the Raymond Green International Outreach of Hope, and it specializes in cold case support to those who feel forgotten. No matter how long it takes for a case to be solved, Donna wants people to know that having hope is key. Hope is what she's held on to all of these years, and she isn't going to lose hope no matter how long it takes. This year marks the 45th anniversary since Raymond was abducted. And in his honor, Donna is holding a black tie fundraising gala to help bring attention to his case and to other cold missing children's cases. A Night of Transcendent Hope will take place on November 4th at the St. Paul Aim Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I will have all the details and information for that linked below if you are in the area and interested in attending. Through working with NITMIC, I was inspired to start my own nonprofit, Ram Green International Outreach. This nonprofit helps families with missing loved ones. We focus on cold cases and bringing awareness through walks, through community outreach, and through the gala. You can support Raymond Green International Outreach of Hope through volunteering, sponsorship, and donations. Or you can come to our gala, A Night of Transcendent Hope, November the 4th at 1540 Prior Road, Atlanta, Georgia. It starts at 4 o'clock. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite, and you can reach out to me if you need any more information at looking, the number four, Raymond, the number two, at gmail.com. Again, that's looking, the number four, Raymond, the number two, at gmail.com. We would love your support. So while there have been a few leads over the years, Raymond and his abductor have yet to be identified. But Donna believes that her son is out there and has DNA samples in databases across the world in hopes that one day there will be a match. I know he's out there. I know he's out there. And I just want you all to think about if you feel like something is wrong, if you're in a situation where you feel like something is wrong, something is just not adding up, you may be who I'm looking for. You may be my son. You know, if you're around that age, you feel like I always have been thinking about this just don't make sense, that just don't make sense. Go get a DNA test. You may be who I'm looking for. And, you know, we know with the DNA, a whole lot of cases have been solved. 
people have came home, cases have been solved and everything. So it's not impossible. And even if you're not Raymond, but you feel like something is wrong, go take a DNA test. Go take one. It may be that somebody is looking for you because there's a whole lot of missing children out there. And you may be one of the ones that somebody's looking for. To this day, she remembers her little boy's smile and the joy that holding him brought her in those short five days that she had with him. Raymond would be almost 45 years old by the time this episode is released. And we're asking that you all out there can help us bring him home. And like I said, the biggest way that you can help in this case is by sharing Raymond's story, whether that's by sharing this episode specifically, liking it, commenting on it, all helps it be promoted to more people, but also just sharing his story on your own social media. If you're sharing a photo that was produced by NECMEC, sharing his story on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, wherever you're on social media or sharing it with your friends and family, talking about it, whatever you can do to get his story out there would be so greatly appreciated. Even if you don't personally recognize him or his abductor, it's possible someone you know might. And if you have any information about the abduction of Raymond Lamar Green, please call NECMEC at one 800 843 Five six seven eight or Crime Stoppers Atlanta at four zero four five seven seven eight four seven seven. And that's unfortunately all I have to share with you about this case today. But I really, really hope I'm hanging on to hope with Donna that Raymond is really out there and could possibly be reunited with her one day. I mean, we've seen that happen. There have been stories that are like this that share similarities where they do end up getting home. And those are the most incredible stories. That's what gives me hope, gives Donna hope that one day Raymond will be one of those stories. And before I wrap up, I just want to thank Donna for joining me in today's episode. It was an honor to get to work with you. I think you are such an incredible woman and so, so strong. I don't know if I would ever have the strength that you do. And sorry, it's just, I cannot imagine. I can't imagine losing your child in that way. Um, it is horrible beyond words. And I think it's amazing that she's not only done so much to help Raymond, but also to help other people in that process. That is just, that's incredible. That is going to be it for me today, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And make sure you follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. If you want to watch the video version of this show, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which will be linked, or you can just search Kendall Ray. I will be back with another episode soon, but until then, stay safe out there. <laughs>